Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. This is the Sports Edge with Rick Wolf on your flagship station for New York sports. The Fan, Sports Radio 66 and 1019 FM, WFAN, New York. Hi, everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of Rick Wolf's Sports Edge. I'm your host, Rick Wolf. This morning, because it's such a such an important and timely topic, I, I want to continue our discussion about bad coaches and our kids and what we as sports parents need to understand and, and how to deal with this issue when it really hits home. And in particular, I, I want to talk about the, well, the perennial chronic concern of, of playing time for our kids when they have a coach who is seemingly only focused on winning the game and loses sight of the fact that all the kids who are on the team, they desperately want to get into the game. But first up, I talked last week about some of my own personal sports parenting experiences, and I have to tell you, trust me, I had plenty more to share with you, but I ran out of time. And I wanted to give you a story from my parenting past that's, well, it's a little different. This story is one that actually had a happy ending. This is a story of how a bunch of sports parents, including myself, started high school ice hockey in northern Westchester County. Because it shows the power of sports parents coming together and really organizing an effort when they really do want to help their kids' dreams come true in athletics. Okay, a little background. When my son John was in eighth grade, he was very much involved in playing ice hockey. He played lots and lots of travel league hockey and all over the place. But he also wanted to play on his high school ice hockey team, which, quite frankly, there was no ice, uh, high school ice hockey program where we lived. Now, curiously, towns like White Plains, Rye, Scarsdale, Mamaroneck, uh, these, these, these communities in Westchester County, they all had long-time uh, high school ice hockey programs. But at Byram Hills High School in Armock, New York, where I live with my family, there was no ice hockey team. In fact, <laughs> there was no ice ho- uh, high school hockey programs in northern Westchester County at all. In fact, there were none. The truth is, once you got north of White Plains High School... It just didn't exist, even though ice hockey was becoming increasingly popular with youngsters. Again, this is going back about 15, 20 years. Okay, now, long story short, 
there were a number of sports parents who really did want to had shared the same dream that I had uh, for their kids who played hockey. In fact, there was a gentleman by the name of Mel Cherney over in Chappaqua who had three boys who all played ice hockey, and Mel and I started to put our heads together to see how we could somehow build some sort of support and traction with the uh, respective school boards in our two towns to somehow approve an ice hockey program for both Byram Hills and Ormonk and for a Horace Greeley High School over in Chappaqua. So, my first stop was with the superintendent of Byram Hills, a woman by the name of uh, Dr. Uh, Judy Fox, uh, who told me that flat out she really didn't like ice hockey and didn't want it to be offered in our school district for a variety of reasons. She had concerns about security at the games, the extra cost of the program, uh, transportation to the to the hockey rink, and so on. She told me flat out that she was not in favor of adding this new sport to the school. Okay, well, at least myself and the other ice hockey parents knew what we were up against. So we got together, and we started to organize our efforts throughout the town of Armonk. We put together a very real and a very well organized campaign to show Dr. Fox and the the rest of the school board just how popular this sport was and how we as sports parents would finance it, how we would work out the transportation concerns to the hockey rink, uh, finding a a quality coach, and, and so on. And as part of our planning, I also contacted various members of the local school board, sort of behind the scenes to try to anticipate and and overcome any resistance or questions they may have. So finally, we vigorously campaigned and arranged to have a hearing in front of the school board one evening to, to have a decisive vote on whether or not the school district would approve adding ice hockey as a varsity sport. <laughs> I don't think the school board members really had any idea what to expect that evening. That's because on that big, big night, the sports parents who wanted ice hockey in Armonk at Byram Hills, well, we had more than 250 moms and dads and students cram into a very small school board meeting room to show our strong enthusiasm. We also had several high school hockey players from Byram Hills who all spoke well, spoke passionately about how much they wanted to have a team. Some of the parents spoke as well about having the program, and we addressed all the board's concerns. And after our presentation, we made it pretty clear that we had all done our homework. And the bottom line, it worked. After we had finished making our case, the board members looked at us, looked at how many people were there supporting this this program. They looked uh, at each other, and the board then voted to approve the Byram Hills High School Ice Hockey Program. And a few days later, the school board over in Chappaqua, thanks to Mel Cherney and his efforts with the sports parents hockey fans over there, they approved their program as well. And sure enough, a few months later, that winter, the very first public high school varsity ice hockey game was played at the Brewster Ice Arena between Byram Hills and Horace Greeley High School of Chappaqua. The place was rocking. It was jam-packed with more than a thousand very enthusiastic spectators. Uh, Byram Hills won that first match. Uh, everybody had a great time. The sport of ice hockey was officially launched in high school in northern Westchester County. And I got to tell you, this was it was a true win-win in every way. Not only for my own son John, who had dreamed of playing high school hockey 
but he shared that same dream for the, the same dream that 20 or so kids on the team had with him. Suddenly, there was another option for ice hockey players besides only playing on a travel team away from school. And the response from the student body in the school was just fantastic and very warm. Very, very exciting. Even more gratifying was that as the word began to spread that we were able to get varsity ice hockey on the map at Byram Hills and at Greeley, within a matter of weeks, we started to hear from other hockey parents in other nearby school districts who all wanted to know how, how we had done this. School districts like Mayopac and Brewster, Yorktown, uh, John J. Cross River, several more followed our lead, and they, too, their sports parents launched their own high school, high school programs for their kids. It was just, as I said, a total win-win. It was great because by the time the season started, we had plenty of other high school programs for our kids to play and compete against. It was just fabulous. In short, it was a, it was a happy ending for sports parenting. It was certainly one of the, the happiest days uh, in my son's life, happiest day in my life, my wife's life, and all the other hockey parents who were watching our kids going out wearing their high school school colors as real ice hockey players on a varsity program and playing with all of their friends from school. Got to tell you, it, was, it, it, still, it still chokes me up. It was an experience beyond words. And again, it was all because of we decided as a bunch of sports parents that we wanted to make something good and positive happen for our children who happen to enjoy the sport of ice hockey. And, uh, you know, if you, for those of you who, who follow the sport of ice hockey, who have kids who play ice hockey, you know how passionate sports parents can be with that sport. But again, nowadays, there are lots and lots of high school teams in northern Westchester at public high schools who play ice hockey. And, um, yeah, I, um, it brings back wonderful memories of what we did to get that sport up and on the board. And it, was, it took time. Took a lot of effort, took a lot of, uh, you know, working through uh, issues that come up when it comes to launching something new and different. But in the end, it was a win-win-win, and everybody had a great time, and it continues to this day. So, again, you can make things happen if you decide that this is something that's important for your son or your daughter who play a sport. Uh, again, this was something unusual, distinct. Uh, I continue to take great pride in, in the small role that I played in helping to get high school ice hockey up and going in, in this part of the woods. Okay, moving on. And by the way, friends, we are going to take calls at 877-337-6666 because I do have some some uh, issues I wanted to talk about when it comes to playing time and coaches and what you have to understand. And I have a, I have a, I have a theory about all this uh, as to why coaches sometimes lose perspective when it comes to getting youngsters uh, off the bench and into the games. And I want to hear from you as well. But I, I have to take a, a quick sort of moment here to talk about the end of John Gruden's coaching career in the NFL. Now, <laughs> ironically, we've been talking about bad coaches the last two weeks in their show. And let's face it, judging by the the unsolicited email comments of racism, homophobia, and misogyny. Do you think that John Gruden would qualify as a bad coach? Or put it this way, would you want John Gruden or anybody like him coaching your own son or daughter in sports? 
And quite frankly, this is the next part of this. If if there are literally hundreds of thousands of emails from Gruden, that, that this has been going on for several years. Why did it take so long from someone to say something to the NFL authorities about all this? I, I find that very odd and, quite frankly, very disturbing as well. Uh, we talk about bad coaches. Bad coaches exist everywhere. And, and uh, Gruden, basically, the bottom line for him, well, of course, he, he lost uh, his, a contract. that paid him $100 million guaranteed, $100 million. He lost lots and lots of lucrative outside endorsements. They're all gone. And, of course, his, his coaching reputation, his career, is just down the drain. It's just gone. It's just, just nobody wants to deal with this guy because he says horrible things. Apparently, this is how he thinks and has no qualms or concerns about putting his thoughts and, and, and uh, terrible, terrible sentiments, putting it on, on an email. It's just unbelievable that this stuff in this day and age, this kind of thing, still goes on in our sports world. But then again, look at the disgrace of uh, of Penn State's uh, Jerry Sandusky, or that uh, that warped gymnastics doctor Larry Nasser. I mean, you can certainly make a case that these are just sick individuals, and they are. But that never excuses what they did to these innocent athletes and these innocent kids. So parents, I have to, you know, remind you, you have to, as your kid goes through sports and they play for a variety of coaches, you have to always make sure when your kid comes home from practices or from games or or whatever it might be, take some time to ask questions of your youngsters. Find out more about what goes on behind the scenes. Once out what's happening, you know, off the field, in the locker rooms. You got to keep an eye out these days. You got to be, as a parent, you got to be smart. In fact, you got to be street smart. You got to pick up on clues and tips and look around and ask questions. I mean, because let's face it, these, these, these people, these individuals out there who really fall under the category of bad coaches, and in many cases, just people who, like, like I said, with Sandusky or Nasser, uh, you know, th- these people are just uh, just beyond terrible, beyond terrible. All right, let me take a time out. When I return, as I said, we're going to talk specifically about the issue of playing time. i got to tell you, of all the issues out there when it comes to kids in sports these days, from the time a kid is five or six to the time they, they uh, finish in high school or into college, playing time is a huge issue because it's the coach obviously, who determines who gets in the game, who starts, uh, and, and how much time your kid gets to participate in the competition. And I know, uh, I know you want to talk about this and what you need to know when it comes to coaches and their perspectives on all this. 877-337-6666. That's, of course, our number. When we come back, we'll get into this and talk about it deeply. Stay with me. Back here on the Sports Edge, uh, we're talking this morning about what I think uh, may be the biggest issue of them all when it comes to any sort of perceived conflicts uh, between sports parents uh, and their kids' coaches. And that has to do with the whole idea of playing time because, you know, every mom or dad, uh, they they, want to see their youngster play in the game, whether they're just starting out at at the very young levels uh, or they go progress right through uh, middle school into high school, varsity, whatever, even college. Look, let's face it, if you're a mom or dad, you want to see your kid play in the game. 
problem is that the coach has a whole different perspective on all this. And, and the coach, uh, you know, for better or for worse, you know, they're, they're looking over the entire team. Uh, they feel that it's their responsibility, that they've been charged with to put out a team that's going to have a good chance of winning the game. And that's somehow where the, the, the rub begins to take place because, uh, let's face it, the, 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 the coach – uh, their priority on this, their perspective, uh, is between their own sort of competitive impulse and, again, their, their desire to want to win the game. And as such, and this is my own personal theory, I don't have any, any uh, research to prove this, it's just something I've seen over the years for many, 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 many years, and that, that the coaches are often very, very reluctant to substitute uh, with kids off the bench uh, you, you know, during the course of the game. And if the game continues to be a, a close and competitive in terms of the score, the truth is many coaches, especially the, the so-called inexperienced ones, they tend to focus much more on the game outcome. And they often overlook or even forget about, it, about getting the kids on the bench into the contest. Now, again, this is all very delicate and very tricky, but I will tell you this, that the very best coaches always make it part of their game preparation and strategy to somehow to get their second stringers into the contest, into the game, even only for a few minutes. Why? Because it's important to make every kid on the team feel that they are somehow contributing in some way. Nobody wants to sit on the bench for the entire game. And the good coaches know this. Bad coaches, on the other hand, don't seem to ever understand this concept or want to follow it. And what happens? Well, the youngster who doesn't play, well, they become discouraged and, quite frankly, angry, as do their parents. When the kid gets dressed up, all set for the game, so on and so forth, let's go, and the kid doesn't get into the game at all. It's not a good formula to follow if you as a coach want to keep your team, your entire team, you know, healthy, happy, and motivated. So what are the best times to, to play your second stringers? No, not just when the score is, is lopsided and out of reach and the game's outcome is pretty much over. Nah, get them into the game. Get them into the first half of the game for a couple of minutes. Pay attention to how they're playing out there, how they're performing. They show some promise. And if they do, keep them in for a few minutes longer. Remember, the philosophy is this. If the youngster was good enough to make your team, then he or she should be good enough to at least get into a game to break a sweat and feel as though that they're part of the total team effort. It's good for them, and it's good for your team, and it's good to keep the morale up with your sports parents as well. Simple as that. All right, let me, let me take some calls about this, because I said this is an issue that is just out there all the time. 877-337-6666. Let's start our discussion this morning. Let's go to uh, Steve in Lindbergh. Hey, Steve, good morning. You're on the fan. Hey, Rick. How you doing? Good. Um, of course, uh, your uh, proposal uh, deals with the sport where substitution does not result in a player no longer being able to perform in the game. So you're talking about hockey, you're talking about basketball, but in a baseball game, for instance, you remove uh, the starting second baseman, that's it. He's not uh, able to return to the game. So it doesn't work in all sports. Second, um, I, you know, I understand the frustration uh, of uh, both a parent and a child who is a substitute who doesn't get a lot of time. Mm -hmm. But 
to have them perform in a game that's meaningless uh, or at points that are meaningless, if, as you point out, in a blowout uh, where the score is lopsided. I mean, the game very often at those points are not as serious and not as intense. It doesn't have the same feel as a, as a close or competitive game. So I'm not sure that that's doing anything. Number three overall, I think society today, and, and, and I really want to talk about the Gruden matter as well, if you mm-hmm. give me a, a, another minute or so, but I think society today is really spoiling uh, its, its young people and providing them with expectations in life that very rarely materialize. Not everyone is going to get accepted to Yale. Not everyone's going to get accepted to Columbia. Uh, not everyone's going to be uh, uh, able to play uh, on the athletic field, uh, you know, during uh, crunch time. And I think that um, by saying that every child has to play in, you know, in every game, and a good coach makes sure that every uh, player on the team gets in, it just uh, is another example of where. Uh, expectations in life are just ridiculous and when it comes to a point where a child uh, becomes a teenager or a young adult and they're not able to um, get into the college that they want or get into the uh, job that they want they're not getting into that large law firm or that large accounting firm I think they have a much more difficult time accepting it. So I, I don't. I think that children. Yeah, I mean it's not pleasant, certainly, but I think there has to be a point where a child understands that they're not going to get everything on in life. It just it doesn't work that way. Oh, it I, that way for anybody. Steve, um, I, I hear you loud and clear, um, and I, I agree with you. And certainly during the process of, particularly the teenage years, the kids who are sharp and smart, they get it. They can look around. They can see that you know what. That kid who I'm competing against for the same starting job, you know, he or she is actually better than I am. And I can basically admit that to myself. So, uh, so yes, I hear you saying not every kid is going to end up, uh, you know, going to Yale or get that job in the big law firm. But kids begin to recognize that on their own. However, that doesn't, that doesn't also suggest that the kid, it's, it's, a, it's a situation where it's totally uh, polarized. The kid says, look, I'm still out of practicing. I still want to have a chance to play. I still want to contribute to the team. If the coach says, I'm just going with the top player all the time, and, and only when the game is a blowout do I let other kids on the bench get in the game, you know, you obviously follow sports. You know that's a bad formula to follow. It's just not going to – it's 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 not at the – we're not talking the professional level here where players are getting paid. We're talking at the youth or amateur level. It's a very difficult kind of situation to keep kids motivated and keep the team together when the kid is good enough to make the team but never gets into the games. That's tough, and that that's what I'm talking about. I mean, and also, obviously – Every sport is different, and, and, and Steve, thank you for your, your, your point of view this morning. I appreciate that. I also want to point out, too, yes, obviously every sports are different, different rules, different, uh, you know, if there's substitution, reentry rules, as they have in, 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 you know, a lot of different sports, to allow this, to make sure kids who come out of the game can go back in the game, uh, you know, so that the, uh, the, the, if, a, if, if a game score gets close and the coach wants to put a kid back in the game, they can do that. And obviously in sports like, for example, ice hockey, basketball, that's routine stuff. But again, this is, this is all being designed, these rules, so that kids can come back and forth into a contest uh, if the situation changes. Uh, but again, I hear what Steve's saying. I mean, we don't want to have a, a society where we're building kids a sense of entitlement. 
No, we don't want to do that. It is not a case where if your kid makes the, the varsity team that there's a sense of like, well, I made the team and therefore the coach has to play me at least some part of the game. No, the kids still have to work hard. They still have to impress the coach with their talents. They still have to do all the right things to merit and to earn a chance to get in the games. It's just not a gimme. It isn't like we just give everybody a, you know, a, a, a participation trophy for just showing up. You've got to earn the right to do that. But again, you also want, it's a two-way street. You want the coach to recognize and acknowledge the fact that you, you've you worked hard and now you want to have a chance to at least contribute, even in a small way, so that you show the rest of the team and your team appreciates that you're, you're part of the team and doing your job. Let's, uh, let's go off to, uh, to Niantic in Connecticut. Hey, Scotty, good morning. You're next up on the fan. Hey, good morning. How are you? Good, Scott. I've never heard your show before. I put it on. I'm on my way to the rink right now, and I'm like, who is this guy talking about this high school <laughs> hockey fundraiser going to the meetings? I'm like, this is great. So I have no idea who you are. I don't even know your name. I think it's called the Sports Edge. Bottom line, I really like it, and I'm glad I, I'm glad I caught it. So I think you're doing a fantastic job. Well, Scott, thank you. Yeah, I, uh, <laughs> it's, I've been doing the Sports Edge for um, – well over 20 years now, every Sunday morning, and as you, we talk about these topics, exactly what you've tuned into. We talk about you know, what we can do to make sure as sports parents and as coaches we can make uh, our sporting experiences for our kids a positive one. And I'm glad you heard, if you're on your way to the rink right now, I'm glad you heard that story, a true story about how we, a bunch of parents in, in Westchester County got together and started a, a local high school hockey programs because it was something that was desperately needed. And yet it didn't exist, so it took some effort. But Scott, I'm glad I'm glad you're a fan now. Yeah, no, I am a fan, so congratulations. Yeah, sorry it took me 20 years, but I guess better late than never. So I'm <laughs> yeah. a fan. So, you know, and I don't say I'm a fan of every radio show. I assure you, I'm not going to name names. But I was very, I was, I was like, oh, this is pretty cool. And you know, usually the the weekend morning shows, you're like, ah, you know, some guy telling you, you know, I need ten thousand dollars of your dollars, and I'll make you a hundred grand by Tuesday. You know, so. <laughs> So I much prefer you over, over any. No, you do a fantastic job. I just wanted to, and, and uh, I'm, on, I'm around the block in the rink. I actually pulled over uh, yeah. because what I wanted to share, just to grow an idea of what we're doing, and I wanted to offer it to your to your uh, high school if it's still available down in Brewster. Uh, um, what we do is we broadcast, and I, I do it, I, I broadcast the games for youth and, and high school um, teams up here in Connecticut. And instead of them paying me a broadcasting fee, I make a donation to the organizations every year, and I threw, I do it through a Patreon subscription. Um, I ask people to donate $5 to my Patreon, and I give 10% back to whichever team they're donating from. So say your team's donating from your high school, there's a place to indicate it. Right. I, donate, I donate 10% of that back each and every month for the subscription. They don't pay, the schools don't pay me a dime to broadcast the games. I get compensated for my efforts because, you know, like Han Solo, you know, I ain't in this for the cause, you know, but <laughs> I'd, rather, I'd rather not have the money coming out of the teams, the organizations, the booster clubs, taken away from the kids, taken away from the families. We all know how, you know, I'm a hockey dad first and foremost. My daughter's still in peewee. My son moved on to football now for high school, but, yep. uh, you know, but my daughter's still in peewee. Actually, I'm, I'm broadcasting my own daughter's game today, so, you know, today's a pretty good day, and I got four games going to do the mites right now, yada, yada, yada. And one, I wanted to offer to come down to do a game for you guys down in Brewster. And two, I just want to let people know about this model and, and, and it's, it's just phenomenal and people are really gravitating towards it. We just started doing it. Uh, cause I was uncomfortable asking teams for money. I just didn't like to do it. Yeah. So I came up with this idea and I just, I, and I, and I don't know if people could pick it up and go with it. We're looking to grow what we do. 
but I wanted to well, offer to come down and do a game for you guys down in Brewster. Well, Scott, that's very, very kind of you. Uh, let me ask you, um, you said you're just a half a block away from the rink. What rink uh, in Connecticut are you heading to this morning? Uh, the Rose Garden in Norwich, Connecticut. I, my, my family, my, my family, my, our kids played, uh, played for the Seahawks, the Southeastern Connecticut Seahawks. Sure. And I do all their home games, and I do the games for um, the, uh, the, pol- the, the, uh, the Coast Guard Academy at Conn College. I do the games for a bunch of local high schools up here. And and some down in Bridgeport too. We do uh, you know came down in Bridgeport, Fairfield, Mustang. Sure, sure. Covering this year, so we're growing, and I'm trying to grow. I'm not, you know, I'm not. Well, not this is but this is all part of. I mean, it sounds like you're obviously much involved. Obviously, you you're, you say giving back to the programs. I I don't, do not know. Uh, I'm a little removed now. My kids have all grown and they've gone through high school and college and so on and so forth. I don't even know if 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 uh, the Brewster Ice Arena is will they still play their games for Byram Hills? Uh, I assume they do. I just don't even know. I don't know if the games are, are live streamed or or broadcast. I just don't know. But I tell you this, Scott. I I, I appreciate the fact that. Um, a, you found the sports edge this morning, and B, that yeah, you're doing all the right things because, yeah, this is exactly the kind of of, of uh, excitement and enthusiasm that sports parents should bring in a positive way to having their kids uh, enjoy their, their sports experiences because, as we all know, it's it's um, those years go by very, very quickly. Hey, Scott, i got I got to run, but thank you again for your thoughts. Very much appreciated. All right, let me let me. Uh, that's a nice call, uh, although. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, as he said, better late than never to find the sports edge after 20-some-odd years. That's good to know. Let me, we're talking about the idea of playing time. I'm talking about the concerns that keep popping up all the time. I'm going to take more of your calls. I do have to take a timeout. When I return, of course, you know the number, 877-337-6666. When I come back, I'll go right back to your calls. Stay with me. Talking this morning about the uh, age-old concern of playing time for your kid when it comes to playing sports, either at the uh, the youth level, at the travel team, club team, high school, even at the college level. I get reports all the time about parents who are concerned about their kids not getting enough playing time in college. And this probably explains a great deal why the transfer portal is so popular these days. I mean, there's just, just so many... So many kids can play all at once, and as I said early on, in, in my experience, the best coaches are the ones who figure out a way to get all the kids on their team to, into the game. Uh, your second liners, your third liners, they don't have to play a lot, but they have to at least play a little bit so they feel like they're part of the team, not just a kid who's, you know got ready, went through the pregame exercises and warm-ups, uh, and just sat there and became basically a kid watching the game. That's not how you build a real sense of motivation with young young athletes. And again, I know if you're a coach and you want to win, it's a big game, uh, you know, you're focused more on the game strategy and, and trying to make sure you have your best players out there as much as you can, but you can't forget about the rest of the kids on the team. I mean, again, we've seen in recent years, like in youth hockey, um, in many leagues, uh, each, uh, each shift, uh, there's actually like, they're timed uh, for two minutes so that the coach knows, as well as the kids and their parents up on the stands, that when, when a, a buzzer goes off at the end of two minutes uh, in the middle of a play, that they're going to change lines and a new fresh bunch of kids come out onto the ice. I mean, that kind of routine not only reinforces to the coach to make sure not to burn out uh, his top players, 
but it also reinforces that it's a total team sport. Every kid on the hockey team gets onto the ice. And in basketball, of course, in recent years, there have been rotations set up so the kids know that the kid, the coach is going to put in the second line of players throughout the game as well because he knows the, the first line kids need a break, need to get some time to to get a, you know, catch their breath. And it also gives the second line kids a chance to get in the game and play as well. The third line, it's a rotation is all about reinforcing that this is a team game. Everybody should be ready to get in and to do their best. Uh, we're taking your calls, of course, 877-337-6666. Let's go to Ed, Ed Ward over in Elizabeth. Ed, good morning. You're on the fan. Good morning, Rick. I'm going to share you a story that happened to my brother over 40 years ago when he played high school baseball. Okay. And I, it, it, it's going to be a shocker to a lot of people. He played at Elizabeth High School. Okay. They brought in an outstanding coach. I have nothing but great things to say about him as a baseball coach with his knowledge. His first year, my nephew, I mean, my brother was a junior. He started, didn't bat great, played multiple positions. Played, played Legion baseball because the, the, the Legion team was coached by the high school baseball coach. Yep. Now it comes, now it comes winter time for the weight program. My father, okay, unfortunately, my brother bought a car. However, my father put a weight room facility down in, down in, in the basement so he could do the baseball workout. Okay? And, and, and he, he explained that to the coach. We start practice in March. Three days into the season, the coach cuts him. Okay? Mm-hmm. And one, of the, one of the reasons was because he didn't come to the winter workouts. Okay. But now my father was smart. He, he asked for a meeting with the athletic director, assistant athletic director, Head and assistant baseball coach. Yeah. Okay. And not only that, the director of uh, athletics and physical welfare who oversees everything in the Elizabeth Board of Education. But see, my father, God rest his soul, was a smart guy. There was an article from the year before my, when my brother was a junior that the coach quoted my, was quoted in the paper saying, my brother was a bona fide baseball player. So now they have the meeting and my father's like an attorney from what I was told, brought, brought the article out and, and showed him that it was quoted as him saying that he was a bona fide player. Yeah. And my father my father brought up, how does a kid in one year become go from a bona fide player to a player that gets cut? The director of health and physical education, supervisor of athletics, made him put him back on the team. Okay? All agreeable, no gentleman's agreement, all that type of stuff. But the problem was my nephew had to miss the my brother had to miss the first four games because they ran out of uniform. So they had to make a special. <laughs> no, this is true, Rick. I'm you know. I know. I hear you. I'm not. I, I'm sure it took no, place. No, I know you're laughing because it's like how things happen now. Okay, he gets his uniform. The rest of the they started the season, Rick, zero and four. Yeah. He comes back in the lineup. The rest of the year, and I'm not saying it's because of him. They went seventeen and two the rest of the year. Okay. Not only that, he wound up hitting 472 for the year, was the second leading hitter in Union County, and not only that, he was picked and selected as one of the top 50 players to play in the North South High School All Star Game in New Jersey. So I just want to tell you how things can happen, why people will cut you, and all that stuff. Yeah, it, it is. 
Ed, thank you for uh, thank you for that story. And, and um, yeah, I, I, I hear you loud and clear. Again, that took place 40 years ago. We'd like to think, and Ed, thanks as always for the call. We'd like to think that we've evolved a little bit more. Now, maybe this coach, and Ed said the coach obviously had great baseball knowledge. I guess he was trying to make a point to, to in terms of telling to, uh, to Ed's brother that if you don't show up for uh, out, uh, off-season tryouts or workouts, you're going to get cut. And he did, but the fact is it would have been probably a little easier if, if perhaps uh, you know, Ed's brother or perhaps one of the uh, his dad, whoever, had gone to the coach and said, my kid is working out here at home. But obviously the coach wanted to set a tone. Coaches are allowed to do that, but clearly to, 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 it might have been a bit extreme to cut the kid after just a few days, particularly if he's a good player. Uh, maybe there should have been a conversation about why did you miss the, the, uh, the offseason workouts. I don't know. At least it had a happy ending, but you can imagine the turmoil uh, that went through that household 40 years ago, and then Ed, Ed recalls it like it happened yesterday. It's amazing. Again, coaches, you got to think things through and have them with the impact you put on to kids. Let's move on. Let's go to uh, Greg in, uh, in North Salem. Hey, good morning, Greg. You're on the fan. Hey, good morning. How are you? Great good. show. Thank you. Um, listen, so I wanted to just double back um, – I've been in, uh, I, I'm a camp director now, summer camp director in charge of the athletics and uh, previously college division two athlete, high school athlete. And so I've kind of seen from all angles other than the professional one, how mm-hmm. important the impact is on kids as far as being involved. Um, but I think rather than have shifts in hockey that are micromanaged down to the second to be equal, I think the important aspect is making sure people um, on the roster feel that they have some part in the process as part of the team. It doesn't have to be equitable playing time, in my opinion, but it has to, they have to have a role. And if you were to, to chop up this, the team uh, into different roles, well, maybe the role is fourth-line wing. Um, maybe the role is 12th man on a basketball team that's a – cheerleader keeps score and you know when when you do have a blowout or when you have a situation where people are hurt and it's next person up um that person's ready to play like you're saying mm-hmm. but to even on the youth level while kids have an inherent sense of what's fair and in being inclusive especially nowadays they also have a competitive instinct which tells them if the coach is a fool and has waited to put somebody in until the game is on the line, your classic bottom of the seventh, you know, bases loaded, and you, you realize you haven't played that last kid on your roster, and now as a coach, your, your process leads you to put that person up at the plate mm-hmm. that everyone knows can't hit the ball, and uh, including him or her. And the last thing that the kids on your team and the other coaches and parents want to see is that your ineptitude as a coach has led to this moment, <laughs> yeah. as opposed to, you know, he mentioned, well, the previous caller mentioned that baseball is tricky versus hockey. Well, my yeah. nephew plays hockey at Alabama, and I'm totally in agreement right through the youth hockey, uh, right to the present moment. Um, hockey is an easier sport to sub through because you have your four static lines, they roll, you know, you have the on the fly. I mean, it's a beautiful thing as far as uh, youth in- involvement. Yep. Um, unless, of course, you don't make one of the top four lines or top defense or six, whatnot. But um, in baseball, you're right. There's no reentry once you've come out of the game in most leagues. So isn't it up to the coach to create a situation where they proactively plan around that? 
yes. to make sure the kids they they could pinch run in the first inning. Yes, they could start course. in right field. Right? They they can in, instead of putting that person that's really still learning the game in a key situation That's not fair. You why can't... wouldn't why wouldn't you use your professional instincts to avoid that scenario and make sure that from parents to camp but you know, to, to participants and players to the other coaches that everybody sees that you did your level best to include everyone, but also to include them in a way that didn't compromise the competitive integrity of the game. I, I, I agree with that, Greg. And uh, and to your point, uh, yeah, the good coaches know how to pre-plan all of this. And you mentioned earlier about the fact that every kid has a role on the team. And that role, uh, particularly as they get to be in high school, uh, maybe not so much at the youth level, but in high school, by that point, the coach can say to each kid in the team, okay, if I need a pinch runner, you're my guy. Or if I need somebody to play uh, in utility uh, defense, you're, you're the person. I mean, every kid knows the role so that it's well explained. And, of course, it's then incumbent upon the coach to follow through and use that kid in, the, in that particular role. Uh, but, again, uh, a lot of coaches don't do that or they don't follow through on their promises. The last thing you want to have, as you just pointed out, and I agree with this, you don't have a situation where, oh, geez, it's the it's a tie game, it's the, the last inning, and now we have one kid in the bench who is young, is not particularly good at, uh, at, at hitting, and now we have to get him into pinch hit in a key situation. That's not fair to the kid. It's not fair to the team. Good coaches know how to pre-plan to avoid those kind of situations. But again, uh, depending on the sport, uh, you're going to have to do some, some advanced planning to make sure that you do the best you can to get those kids into the game. Uh, it's not like every game you know, is going to be equal playing time. That's not the point. Because obviously if a kid is a freshman as opposed to a senior, the senior starter is going to get more playing time than the freshman. But the point is you want to make sure the kid feels like they're doing something to be part in a small way of, of the team effort. And that, that obviously that lesson has to be drilled into the kids and say, look, everybody's going to be part of this team effort. We're not going to leave anybody out. Some kids are going to have larger roles than others, but all you guys are going to contribute. Simple as that. Hey, Greg, th thank you for the good thoughts. Appreciate the call. Let me move on quickly to, um, to Brian and Carmel. Uh, Brian, good morning. You're next up on the fan. Oh, hi. Good morning. Um, I wanted to bring up um, a, a Little League baseball or, or, well, now the rec baseball is not as uh, apparent. I'm in Putnam County, New York here. Yeah. Yep. So there used to be a travel team or, or more competitive league, and then for the rest of the kids, it was uh, the, uh, the recreational. So in the rec ball, what they allowed us to do, or the teams, is bat everybody. If you if you were there to play that day, everybody would bat. Not yes. everybody may play the field, yep. but everybody would bat. So I don't know what your thoughts are as far as bending the rules for the game in the sense maybe for Little League up to maybe high school where – all the kids batted, and it was agreed upon. So I, I, I don't know how other coaches felt in the league, but that was the rule. Everybody. So if I didn't play, I might bat like 13 kids on the team. You have 13 people batting for the day. Yeah, and that, that's pretty much commonplace in various iterations, uh, depending where you live, uh, not just around here, but around the country, particularly with, with uh, baseball or softball at, at the youth level. It's so essential that every kid uh, has an opportunity to get some at-bats during the course of the game. Uh, each league will come up with its own sort of like, um, you know, uh, you know, ways to get around the traditional uh, nine players in the lineup kind of stuff. They'll, they'll work out, well, we have extra hitters, or we'll make sure that we have even more hitters. 
everybody's going to get at least uh, hopefully you know two, three, maybe even four times of a bat in each game. Playing in the field, again, you try to sprinkle them around as best they can, different positions, because after all, the kids, the only way the kids are going to obviously, A, get better at a sport, position sport like baseball or softball, is by actually playing in the game and getting at bats, and B, uh, it's, 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 you go to the game when you're a kid, you go there to play, not to sit in the bench and to watch somebody else play. It's also, uh, quite frankly, it's a kind of situation that, that especially at the youth level, if it's fair for both teams, if both teams have the same opportunity to have these sort of unusual, different kind of rules, then fine. Everybody, it's equal. It's not like you're just basically, uh, you know, favoring one team over the other in terms of getting more at bats or getting more kids. It's as simple as that. You want the bottom line is you want the kids to play, and play a lot. As they get older, obviously the rules begin to go back in a different, in a more traditional format. But early on particularly at the youth level. Goodness gracious. Uh, and, and thank you very much for the call, Brian. You know, again, you have to, as you're going to be a coach, you better understand that, that your job is basically to get those kids into the games and get them as much playing time as they can. Again, that's at the youth level as they progress and they go up the pyramid of competition into middle school and high school. You still want to keep that, that priority in order. But the fact of the matter is, you're better off as a coach really planning and saying to yourself, okay, how am I get all these kids into the next game? Uh, and maybe in, in terms of different amounts of playing time, and I still want to win, but I want to make sure that I understand the kids who come to the games and work hard and practice. They know they'll be rewarded with at least a minute or two in the next coming game. Maybe you, you get them into the first half for a couple of minutes uh, or early inning, whatever it might be, but they got to get in. It's as simple as that. It's tricky. It's hard, but that's the job. Okay, that's going to do it for me and this edition of the Sports Edge. My thanks, as always, to the Zoo Man, Ed Arzuman. I will see you next Sunday right here on the Sports Edge. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. 
Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details.